get started. Thanks All for right. being here. This is uh, this is what I think will be the first in an ongoing series because I've actually never had a musician, artist, songwriter mm-hmm. who is about to perform at the library come on to the library's podcast. So Lovely. this is the first in a series. I welcome welcome to the podcast, Christian Burke, singer-songwriter, leader of Ethos, and we're here to tell you all about this band that's going to yes. be playing at the library February 10th, which you're hearing, I think you're hearing, listener, this episode with enough time to make plans for that. Uh, but thanks for tuning in to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast. It's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff, and you already heard from Christian. Hey, Christian. Hello. How are you? I'm swell. How's it going, man? It's a nice day. Uh, yeah. Feel good. Feel upbeat. Well, this band's been around for a while. It's true. Since the 1890s. <laughs> for the folks at home who haven't heard you yet or haven't heard of you yet, can you give us a bit of a uh, an origin story? I know that's a lot to um, yeah, make concise. Yeah. Well, you know, we fell out of the womb fully grown probably <laughs> in the 1990s uh-huh. amidst all of Detroit's tumultuous music scene and yeah. um, state the... Uh, Staked an area that was, I believe, our own for yeah. quite a bit. And uh, we go in and we go out. We go, we take naps. And then we wake up spry and ready to go again. So Near dormancy, but not full dormancy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, we're always going. So, yeah. you know, keep in mind when your eyes are shut at night and you're wondering where we are, we're out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So plotting our next move. Early mid-90s in Detroit is an interesting uh, mm. historical little moment because it's it's a... For context, folks, it's a pre-White Stripes era, mm-hmm. uh, and yes. it's. But you know, you have bands coming around like the Henchmen and mm-hmm. Outrageous Cherry, and yes. the Gories are kind of trailing off. And uh, Majesty Crush, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. ah, yeah. So let's talk about that. Might be a jumping-off point into kind of mm-hmm. where your sound maybe went. Yeah. We when we first started, we didn't know them. We knew of them. And then over time, we became very close friends and we played with them on several occasions. And yeah. And we uh, mentioned before we got on mic this genre of shoegaze. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe this is an opportunity to, to kind of talk about uh, your influences. Well, you know, I, I don't... As far as influences go, I mean, I think we were more keen on things like, you know, there are 50s melodies and... Yeah girl groups and things like the Velvet Underground and the Smiths, obviously we get poked with that stick a lot. But then, yeah, I mean, things like My Bloody Valentine were always there. There's always a fuzz pedal that somebody owned that needed to be pushed, (laughs) you know, things like that. Sure. So I think um, it's of that area, really. I mean, when you blend those melodies with that fuzziness, I think that's happiness, really. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So talk about, I guess, how the band has has evolved let's take us back to what what how so you know there's an ep out that we could listen to from five years ago called how's your hair Mm -hmm. how would some of the newer stuff be distinguished from some of the older stuff well i would say a lot of the older things were of a i I don't want to say a bombastic quality but i just said it so i'll stick by it yeah it was very much so i think we've streamlined some things we've taken on more of a um for now a pop appeal a sheen sure um uh we have an album coming out this year and then it was supposed to follow up from the house your hair mm-hmm. single and we were supposed to segue into that and then dun, 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 covid sure. showed up and shut things down and there were some personnel changes and but we've we've completed it recently um with zach ships stephen palmer from the high strong had worked on a lot of it too prior and um 
it's quite a stew. It's mm-hmm. been going on quite a while, but we're going to release um, a seven inch single within the next couple months. Mm-hmm. And that's going to lead into the album proper um, this summer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think the DNA is always the same with yeah. Ethos. I mean, it's it's not like there's there's growth, there's change, but there's never like an abrupt shift in attitude or, you know, you have to have the ethos of ethos, which, you know, continues to be melodic thoughts if you would so yeah melodic but uh i i do feel like i do feel like it's too limiting to just say shoegaze yeah uh, I, there's I agree. so much going on here yeah i and that's why i, I you know i mean we we take part and parcel mm-hmm. we we you know what, what appeals to us and we i have never seen myself as some sort of musician mm-hmm. really. i just i've been a fan and i regurgitate in what i take in and mm-hmm probably not in the best way sometimes but just you know it's my take on what i think what i think rockabilly should sound like yeah. and, you know or, or at least what i think it it is in my head right you know i and then if somebody said what is it that you're playing i shrug a lot I'm not entirely sure so. does it feel like it is this cool beautiful hodgepodge where you are taking guitar is wailing like shoegaze but the drums might be feeling like a, a surf rock rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and I, and and I think um, the other people in the group are they enjoy that freedom as well. Yeah, you know that there's no like um, you better sound like this or you have to stick to this. I mean, it, it definitely is a melting pot mm-hmm. of things, and and we enjoy listening to music together. I mean, you can, you know, you're sharing a record that you think somebody should be well aware of, and they're like, I've never heard it, and it's lovely to see how their heads turn towards mm-hmm. it and how then they regurgitate it in regards to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it keeps things fresh. Nice. Yeah. Take us like even further back uh, to, to like how and when you started playing music and writing. I, I essentially had no ambition to be a musician. Oh, look at that. Hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> revelations coming out. Yeah. And um, I, um, I, just wanted to be a writer. I um and but I I loved um, poetry and music. Really, yeah. I just spent many years in my bedroom. Sure, record, and um I just I had a girlfriend at the time who bought me a, a guitar and said you should start a band. And I said I don't know why you would say that. And <laughs> basically because of her, I I did and um and it, it just went from there. And that was nineteen ninety two. Yeah. It just brought from there and I was very young and met other very young people. And it was such a, a different time in the nineties, sound very old, sure. but um, where music was like, that had been pushed so far underground was now starting to bloom as, into like the type of music that the record labels wanted to make money on. Right. So, you know, it was all of a sudden, everything was validated. Everything right. that, you know, your, your whispered, um, demons that you kept were now like in full bloom as like the things that were revelatory to the world at large. And I mean, ultimately it would all be pretty much doomed and like, you know, over money, just, you know, they, they went too far and yeah, just killed it as they always do. But, but it was a, it was an exciting moment for indie. Yeah. yeah very because much so. the, uh, perhaps seemingly, self-serious stuff i wouldn't even say that but like that fragile sort of kurt cobain situation oh very much yeah kurt cobain is on the front of cover cover magazines yeah 
But uh, even the not so self serious uh, pavement types are on the cover of magazines and playing talk shows. You almost wouldn't see it coming, really. Right. Things like pavement. Right. And, um, or Sebado or whatever. All of these um, wonderful groups that you that were like your own. They yeah. were yours. They belonged to you. Where now they belong to everybody. And, right. But that felt good to yeah. realize that there were other people like you right at large and you could go to these shows and these shows had gotten larger but in detroit it was always like a community of people you always saw the same people at the same at the shows you mm-hmm. know it's like the same 100 people you <laughs> see at every show a community yeah very much so yeah you know and um i mean who knows if that's the case anymore i have no idea eh, but, more or less yeah you know it's kind of a carousel i yeah i mean certain certain groups yeah. right you yeah. know like yeah, I see that ride and the charlatans are coming next month. And I mean, I saw them at their when they first came here. And, but I, I imagine it'll be those same people. Sure. So a reunion <laughs> of sorts, I guess. Speaking from my own personal experience, learning the guitar isn't necessarily easy. And I find it always interesting when how many bands are started because someone is like shoved an instrument into their hands. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's the thing. It's like I always had a guitar. It's like when Ethos first started, I did the whole collaboration thing where my guitarist would write the music and I would write the lyrics and the melodies. And then he ended up leaving and I just didn't want to be held ransom anymore to somebody, you know, when they're in the mood to write a music, a piece of music for me, you know? So I started learning to do it myself. But then when we made like our second record, I literally didn't know the chords I was playing. So the engineer had to like, Oh, that's a, you know, (laughs) it was pretty funny, but it was, it's been good. And, um, punk in a sense, if not in sound. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, ethically. Yeah. But, um, (laughs) but you know, I mean, I've, I've always definitely believed in having incredibly competent musicians alongside of me, like my guitarist now that Josh Gauntlet, he's, he's amazing. And you probably haven't heard him yet because he's not on that How's Your Hair single. Yeah. You'll hear him on this new album and he's just fantastic. And, and our bass player, Kevin Stripling, he's just like, he's just wonderfully melodic and he's very steeped in the whole Motown soul thing, which is another, you know, aspect of these, uh, of the of the hodgepodge. And my drummer who I've been with since 96, Eric Mickage, he's incredible. Yeah. He's, he's a drummer's drummer. You know, he plays for the song, but he still gets the muscle in. And, and then we have a conga player um, who was the original drummer, Al- Tony Duchay. Sometimes I say Duchay. That's his, uh, that's his Albanian you know, thing, mm-hmm. but he likes me to say Duchay. Mm-hmm. So why not then? Makes him sound more French. I think, it's, I, think it, <laughs> I think it could be so crucial to have, if you're going to have one band member who is the longest member, it should be the drummer. Uh, yeah. That can really affect the feel. Well, I, if you yeah. change it up too much, and he, and he, and he, and he knows the songs. He knows where I'm going. He knows, right. you know, what the verse requires, what the chorus needs. You know, he know, he can do bombastic. He can do tight and pull it pull it back. But he's still just so much there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's he's phenomenal. I couldn't recommend him enough. And I think uh, a lot of folks would underestimate just how diverse and varied the bass player of almost any group's tastes usually are and what they might be bringing to the table. Right. And with Kevin, especially, it's like, um, and any given night you can go over to Kevin's house and have a few cocktails and just listen to records for six or seven hours, just straight. And, um, he'll continue to surprise you. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And I'm eager to hear the new guitarist. I imagine there might be a lot of pedals involved. (laughs) 
not as many like like he kind of pulled back he kind of pulled <laughs> back cool. but yeah yeah he uh he himself was like i'm taking a crash course in all these pedals and yeah. last night we had a rehearsal and he had a nice new space echo and he nice. said it's ethos in a box nice. so i think that summed it up yeah yeah it's nice and then just tell us more about yourself and how you evolved you have a you have your own style and your your voice has this like blend of fragility and ferocity if you mm. know what i mean yeah um i appreciate that yeah um when i first started with these guys and then we we just had the worst equipment ever and i couldn't sing i don't know why i thought i could like <laughs> i can still find like a, a cassette that was like the first or second rehearsal and it's so bad i don't know what on this tape made me think like i should go back for more but um <laughs> i did and um what we would do because our equipment was so terrible i would take two microphones that went out to two different amps i guess we had it plugged into they weren't it wasn't even a pa and we would tape it together and i would still have to like kind of scream to be heard with over these guys but still trying to maintain this melody uh -huh. you know which i believed in the fragility of these melodies so that i think that's how that was born you know <laughs> just trying to be heard but still like not giving in to just blasting away and shredding my vocals sure so, and I guess just tell us a little more, a few more bullet points of like what might have been going into the DNA of your songwriting, because you mentioned you name dropped some bands, but mm -hmm. uh, there are some artists who might have had that uh, crappy equipment and uh, embraced the aesthetic <laughs> and be like, all right, well, we're going to be a raw punk band. This yeah. is what we have to work with. But there is this refinement, this pristine quality to the melodies, especially. Mm. Uh, uh, so just tell us a bit more about what's in the stew. What's in the stew? It's you know, because you came up at such a formative time. There's like punk and new wave is happening. Then grunge is happening. Then Britpop and all this stuff. Yeah, and it was it was something you definitely had to. Um, and I believe in this, that you um, when you find what it is that you're attempting to do, yeah. that you have to sort of dig your heels in and, and, and make a stand and go for better or worse. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. This is who we are. Mm -hmm. And um, and then from that you try to create your own your own sound, mm -hmm. which you know, let's face it, um, there's not a lot of ability to be so unique that you're it's like you're brand new. Right. I mean, we're we're far past that, but you can establish something to where it's like if somebody hears you hears it, you know, somewhere out in the world, they go, oh that that's my that's my band that i love that yeah. you know those types of things and um and you and you can't give up right you can't go oh now i'm into like what massey star sounds like i want to sound like massey star and oh I, you know you can't switch that up you for better or worse i mean you can add the elements but you can't fully just give up and and right. change in and right. then you know switch your band name and whatever i just don't believe in that but right. um i don't know with us it's like obviously for me personally, I've I've always had a, a love of of, um, of of British groups. I mean, going back to the '60s, and then folk music. Yeah. A lot of folk yeah. music I, I find really appealing. Even you know things like Nick Drake. I mean, that's and then you get to New York in the late '70s, and I and I love that whole aesthetic and attitude about it. All. Yeah, and then the '80s. It's just the more the more at what was seen at that time i guess as as um underground the better i yeah. guess you know whether it be i mean but in england and stuff it really wasn't so much underground things like orange juice or yeah. 
or even any of the factory record stuff that ended up being like early James or, yeah. you know, all of that, the Bardos that came along. I mean, so much appeal. And then the 90s, I mean, I was right there listening to like Suede. When Suede came along, it was like we were doing something similar, but, yeah. you know, without all of the press and hype that went along with it. And seeing that band and then just, just always realizing you're not alone. Yeah. You know, what you're doing, don't be afraid to do it. And that was just always the appeal. And I hope that that still goes on for groups that start now. I mean, I don't know. There's just so much available now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when I was young, you, I got in the car on Saturday morning and I spent my paycheck that had been given to me on Friday buying records. And I travel around the, you know, Tri-County area, probably more than Tri, and um, bought records and then that's what I lived on. But now it's like you can point and click and listen to so much. And it's, I would imagine it's almost overwhelming to decide where you want to make a stand with certain groups, you know, like influence wise. I think current generation is still experiencing their own incarnation of that magical encouragement factor mm -hmm. of seeing an artist or hearing an artist uh, and saying, oh, I could do that too. It's just different in this way of like, uh, they'll open up their phones and they'll see a video of this person and they'll say, oh, I'll just take my phone and make a video. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you have to get in the car, hear them and say, oh, okay, I'm going to go back to my basement, right. plug these mic cables in and do this because things. Dinosaur Jr. did it too. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, and I, and I wonder, and I, and I, and I hope because really there's nothing quite like that moment where you like feel like you're called on yeah you know you're you're called on and on to just follow this through the ether mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and because there's some sort of appeal that touches you yeah and you're like yeah not only can do i think i can do it somewhat like this person and then that's where you start i mean everybody starts at a spot where they're straight influence yeah but they grow from that. Right. Because you know? they're finding they're, themselves. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And anybody that would, would torment somebody for for doing that is, is ridiculous. Because where do you think this comes from? Right. Like all of it, you know, whether it starts at the Beatles and, you know, goes from there. Right. I mean, it They wanted to sound like what they heard. So I would never, ever stop somebody from wanting to do that. In fact, I encourage it. Your music, your band, and your voice too is that there's uh, there's a lot of we're, we're kind of talking about how it has these elements of of shoegaze and even hints of of punk, which suggest uh, rough textures or uh, mm -hmm. a, a rawness. And your voice is just so passionate. Uh, you are, as the band might the band name might suggest, you believe it. And yeah. you are leaning <laughs> into it. 
uh, and leaning into it, the word like commitment, like he's committing to these words, he's committing to this this full throated kind of howling delivery. Mm. Commitment, uh, it's the name of the game if the band's been around this long. Right, I mean. How do you make that work? Well, it's just it's just that. I mean, yeah. if if you if you had some sort of feeble-minded, um, oh, I can, you know, yawn and get through this. It'll get it would yeah. never happen, mm-hmm. you know. Plus, you have to encourage these other people that you're involved with to continue on with it. I mean, yeah, if if you're not all in, they're not going to be all right. in, right. and they all could be somewhere else doing something else. Heck yeah. So you know, <laughs> that's the whole thing. So um, yeah. Just the belief in it helps them to have the belief in it. And right on. together, you're definitely more powerful than you are alone. So, Well, let's talk about bring it up to modern day and tell me what's been uh, new lately. And then tell us as much as you want or as much as you can about the new record. And especially all those other details. Like, were you writing some of this before COVID? Did you work on this during COVID? All that kind of stuff. Tell us about that. Yeah, I. I as far as writing goes, I... I um I probably make the silly mistake of sometimes believing that certain songs that I write they're not ready yet to to be with other songs mm-hmm. like um they're a special sort of child sure. that requires uh, the company of other special children <laughs> and I mean that in the most positive way mm-hmm. but some people always go well go with your strongest material you mm-hmm. know and and I, I believe that we do to an extent but I mean. This record that, that that's about to happen is long gestating for sure. Like probably when that "House Your Hair" single came out, at least a majority of it was written at that point. Okay, you know, I've had like during COVID, oh, I've had to squash the the want to write because it's like you write too much and right. then you run the risk of leaving things behind. And I mean, it's it's inevitable. You can't help it. I just I, and then now you can do such a quality demos at home yeah that you can just get lost in this and and i have bouts of insomnia so then i'll be up all night going oh just just one more track you know well <laughs> you know, as the as the dawn creeps in and you're like oh you know another day and night lost to this and um but so it's like i've, I've tried to like slow down don't write as much but that's you know that's another reason why i can't wait to get this record out because then we can move on to doing more stuff so they're definitely you know, be more recordings, I think, yeah. It's just, you know, you're getting older and you're starting to go, how much longer sure. can you go on and on, uh, you know? What's this album gonna be titled? Um, there must be more than this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> it's, always, it's such a, such an optimistic uh, title, but uh, <laughs> but there is a song called that, that, that will start the album. Um, and that song is very, um, it, it's, um, it's quite a thrill ride, I think. Um, it sounds like almost a spaghetti western. Okay. It's nice. uh, it's very it's got uh, timpani in it and it's um, a lot of bells and whistles. So, if given, um, if it were always up to me, I would probably always overproduce this, uh, sure. these things to no end. But um, isn't there a small part like, a small part inside though that that uh, really feels good to have it done? To have oh, it like, for sure. Yeah. And and it's like and I love working with Zach Ships. He's uh, oh, he's excellent. He's phenomenal and, and he's a great human being yeah you know what i mean i didn't really know him before we started doing this and now i'm just like every time you know we're in a room together i'm 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 happy to be there he's a good guy and uh and a, and a frequent library patron yeah <laughs> yes I, I could see that yeah. yes definitely and and we started this whole thing with uh stephen palmer and um 
he really believed in it, you know, and he pushed me to like, you know, this is going to be a fantastic record. And then it just sort of reached a point where China was getting out of, not out of control, but just he couldn't spend as much time on it as he wanted to. And he suggested Zach. Nice. So it was a nice handoff, really. So um, I have a lot of new things that I'm writing that I think are going to be perfect following this up. In fact, you know, we're doing these singles. We're, well, we wanted to do one single, a seven inch, and then the album, and then one after it. So I'm trying to get in and get some B-sides done because I believe in the the B-side aesthetic that, yeah. you know, and then you have to make those worth owning. Can't throw, make, there's no throwaways in ethos anyway. Sure. I don't believe in that. Nice. I, you know, I believe in making sure every song is potentially somebody's favorite. There must so, be there must be more than this. There must be more than this. I think, just judging by that title, it could be it could wind up becoming a possibly a really fitting album for this little moment because uh, in a post pandemic, I think a lot of us are much more existential than we ever have been. Indeed, and, and ponderous, and yeah, because I think um, it, the title definitely came about during COVID, and yeah. it was like you know we don't have to there there there's more than this yeah. you know we don't have to give up but. It has both of its optimistic and pessimistic sides sure. to it, which is how I see myself, you know. And uh, I imagine possibly we'll hear some songs at the library show. You will indeed. From that album? You will, you will, you will. If not, at least half the set for sure. Can you quantify uh, what you, I mean, because I, I imagine I, I, this happened to everybody. We, we went through two years of not even really playing shows or going to shows, mm. but uh having been able to get back on the stage at least a couple times have you been able to tap back into what you love most about performing and yes definitely um it took a moment yeah it definitely did uh because i i the landscape had changed um i mean some bars closed i mean yeah and and it literally looks different it and you know as far as like you know being long going you know doing this for such a an extended period of time through life, um, there was just a certain way that you did it. You know, there were certain venues, there were certain people that you dealt with. There was just, I mean, things literally changed. Uh, those venues, like you said, that weren't there. The people that used to, that you had contact with had moved on. I mean, you know, during that time, so many people had to like roll their eyes deeply into the backs of their heads and go, why am I doing this? Why am I living here? Why, you know, it was definitely a time to um, to think on one's existence and people made changes and yeah. trying to reach out. They're like, well, that's great, but I don't, I don't, I don't have anything to do with that anymore. And I don't, and I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Really. I mean, I was there for a moment. Yeah. I mean, personally. Like, oh yeah. I, I was mean, like, oh, I don't even know if I'll do this. I'm, I'm, I'm back to doing it now. I, I mean, I spent a large amount of time. We have a cabin up north. I, I mean, at some point I was like, why don't I just live here all the right. time? I mean, it's like, I don't feel compelled to, uh, to put myself in the mire anymore. But this sense of not connection, but uh, reconnection or mm-hmm. return. Um, mm-hmm. I've been feeling it lately. Uh, I've been enjoying going to shows again. I've been enjoying listening to music in a way that I once did three years ago again. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully, you're tapping back into that. Too. I hope this, I am this too. Sense and, of and, and I love I love to hear that you are. Yeah, absolutely. That gives me a lot more faith. Um, yeah, I'd seen a few shows 
I see, I, you know, a lot of these shows that are coming around now are like, you know, these groups that are like getting back together, House yeah. of Love, um, things like that. I went and saw uh, the Fontaines DC, like, you know, that was incredible because a lot of youth at that, you know, mm -hmm. and, I, and I love that, the sound of that band. I mean, truly, what a great group. And um, that gave me a lot of faith too. Like, yeah. okay, here yeah. we are, you know. And, and, and you still got your band? Yep, I still do. Very lucky. I'm looking forward to seeing them live. I can't wait to show you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then any other um, further specific details we could say on Mike about, um, do you have a release date in mind for your album? Well, um, you know. Spring, the, summer? Yeah. We, we're hoping as soon as possible. The, the, the biggest thing that we're running into right now is finding a place to get this vinyl mm -hmm. stamped quickly. And it's there's not a lot of quickness to it, you know? And so, that's our own fault that we've waited on. But it is all happening sure. this year. I promise i mean i'm sure i've made this promise a couple times over the past years or so another change after the pandemic is the phrase supply chain is now yeah. further in our <laughs> forefront of our brains it's now. become quite uh yeah it's indented yep yeah for sure yeah but um it's gonna happen and then you know our entire back catalog now is available like it's streaming on spotify and all of that and just had to seek it out it's out there though all of it's free to to well not it, you have to have your subscription, obviously, but um, I just wanted people to have all of it. Yeah. You know, I'm, it's never been about making money. More so, I want people to hear what's right. going on. Yeah. I mean, the people who are in it for the money are the ones who leave after two years. Right. And That's I've been judgment. here far too long right. to ever be accused of, yeah, there is no accusations yeah. about money when it comes to. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have links in our show notes to uh, that Spotify and to yep. your Bandcamp as well. And yep. we'll get ears on this. But mark your calendars February 10th right here at the Ferndale Library. Christian, thanks for coming into the no, library. It was an absolute pleasure. Hanging out Thank with you. me on this podcast. Of course. It's called A Little Too Quiet. Uh, it's brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. Uh, and we thank you for listening. We also thank uh, local musician John Duffy for giving us music to start and end these episodes. And we would remind you to rate, review, and subscribe, and make sure to tune back in again next week because we'll have more new episodes. Take care until then.